I'm excited to get back into our series this morning. Last week we had Vision Sunday. By the way, seven baptisms. Come on, right? Yes, that was awesome. That's something to be celebrated. I just praise the Lord. I, I baptized my son and my dad on the same day. How cool was that? That was awesome. So excited. Yeah, Vision Sunday was fantastic. I had a wonderful time at the, the picnic. Thank you so much for everybody that helped. I know Jordan and Megan played a big role. JD helped. Thank them afterwards. Sherry and Pete, thank them and, and tell them how much you appreciate them bringing stuff so that we could cook and have a good time. Well, we're talking about the names of God, right? And how God communicates characteristics to us through his different names found in Scripture. And, and why that is so important. So we, we covered uh, the Elohim, which is just the Hebrew word for God. We covered Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai, all being the same, the same name. If you missed that, if you missed that sermon, I'm sorry, you can go listen to it on, on our podcast because it's a little bit confusing how the Jews kind of changed the name over time, but all being the same name. And this morning I'm excited because we're going to talk about Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. Um, but our main scripture for this series is Philippians chapter 2, 9, which is, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, him being Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And see, we can see the characteristic of God, characteristics of God in Jesus' character, right? We can see the different names in Jesus because Jesus is the Lord, right? He's God Almighty. Amen? We talked about that in Elo Elohim. He's the creator God. He, he was right there in the very beginning. Let's pray before we jump into it. God, I thank you that you are a wonderful, powerful, incredible God. I thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Shalom, Lord. I pray, Father, it would not be my words that they hear, but that it would be your scriptures that touch their heart, that it would move in their life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about shalom, which means peace. So that's the Hebrew word for peace. But it's a little bit deeper than what we have in English. So in English, when we say peace, we kind of just mean like, well, when two people are fighting, there's peace, right? Like you ever heard someone say peace in the Middle East, right? Because we need some peace in the Middle East. It's a little crazy over there. Well, shalom in Hebrew means a little bit more than just that. It means that. But it means when, when, when it's complete, or it's whole, or what is fractured or broken has been put back together again, right? So it's a, little, it's a little bit deeper meaning. And of course, we talked about how Jehovah or Yahweh, remember we, we taught on there the same word, Jehovah means I am who I am, that's how we translate it in English, or better translated probably is he will be. So we get to Jehovah Shalom, and, the, and the, the idea behind that is he will be peace, or I am peace. It's a, it's a name for God. And when you truly understand this, it's powerful stuff. It's powerful in your life when you understand that God wants to bring peace. That's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to bring wholeness, completeness. He wants to restore what is broken. It's powerful. Powerful. So we see this name in, for God in Judges chapter 6, if you want to begin to turn there. By the way, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through a bunch of scripture this morning. One of the, my favorite books on, on preaching and teaching the Word of God says, don't go to more than one scripture. That part I threw out. Like, I don't believe that. We, we love to go to scripture. Amen? Yes. 
So Judges chapter 6, we're going to go to a bunch of different places. But let, as you're turning, let me give you a little historical background just in case, in, case, in case you need it. There is, this event took place about 3,300 years ago. Okay? It's an approximate time that this took place. And what happened was, you know, God calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to give you a land which was known as Canaan. Okay? Then his children, the Israelites, end up in Egypt and they end up enslaved. And God brings them out of Egypt miraculously, powerfully, and he, and he brings them into the promised land. But they haven't quite taken the promised land yet. And so they're there, and, and there's all these other people that are there. And, and, it's, and even though God's still to this day, the Israel that is still there to this day, that, that is their land, they haven't quite taken it yet. And that's kind of the historical background. Um, they, they have no king they have no leader necessarily. God raises people up, judges, to judge them and to, and to deliver them. And that's where we're at. Okay? So Judges chapter 6, starting verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midian, hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whatever the Israelites planted, whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no substance in Israel and no sheep or oxen or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as, the, as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Am Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. See, the consequences of their rebellion was enslavement, right? Sin will always leave you in enslavement. It starts with a little here, a little there, and it grows. And if you, are, if you are unrepentant and directly disobeying God, it always ends with enslavement. Most of the time, and always, to that sin that you are enslaved to. That's what happens. And Israel was directly disobeying God. Yet that isn't what Jesus wants for your life. Did you know that? Jesus does not want that. He came to set you free from enslavement, not for you to be enslaved to it. He broke the power of sin over your life. He wants you to have complete freedom in that area. You can be set free. The Israelites were in the promised land. They were in the place that God had called them to be. 
They, 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 had been broken, they had broken slavery off of their life already one time. And they were in the place that they were supposed to be blessed. And instead they were enslaved. See, it's possible to be in the place you're supposed to be, but function out of the will of God. Let me say that again. It's possible to be in the place that you're supposed to be, but functioning out of the will of God. And some of us might be in the place that God wants us, but we are refusing to be obedient. We aren't walking in the victory that God has given us, right? You're in the place that God wants to bless you and prosper you and that you can share the gospel with, and you're right there, but then you refuse to obey his voice. And that is exactly what the Israelites did. He, he was not allowing, they were not allowing God to be their Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom was absent, the God of peace. Trace and I talk about how often how our, our home is kind of our sanctuary, and we kind of keep it that way to a certain degree, right? Our lives are busy, they're chaotic, we, we, can, we get under a lot of pressure. But when we come home and the kids get to bed, it's kind of our, our sanctuary, our peace, Right? Then the Israelites are exactly, do, are exactly where they're supposed to be. They are home, and yet they are in caves, and they are hiding. Why? Why? If you know it, shout it out. Why are they in caves hiding? They're afraid. They're terrified. They have fear in their hearts over the Midians. They're terrified. And you might be in the same situation this morning. Maybe what God has called you to do and God has blessed you with, you, are, you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you're too afraid to walk out of that cave from dark into light. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a spot that, that, that you know exactly what God has blessed you with and what you're supposed to be doing with it, and there's fear in your heart to walk out from it. It says when the, the Midianites would come and they would, wave, they would lay waste, to the land. They would destroy everything. And the enemy this morning might be destroying what God has promised to you. The enemy this morning might be, to, might be coming in and destroying everything that you have because, because oftentimes what happens is we're not obedient to what God wants and we're, then we allow fear to come into our lives. You aren't going to be able to step into the promises God has for you until you know Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. You will not be able to step into the promises God has for you until you know Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Let's keep reading verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a ter terebinth of Ophrah, at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abazite, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at these words, guys. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty one of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the land, the hand of Midian. Gideon is saying, Gideon is saying, Lord, God, if, if, if you're with us, why is there all this drama? Why is there all, anybody ever asked that question? 
why is there all these problems, right? Why is my life heading in the direction that it's heading? Why am I terrified? Why, why have these people come against me? Is there, is there anybody else in the room who's ever asked that question? I'm going to be honest with you, I have. Lord, if you're with me, how come things aren't going the way that I think they should go? And here's the, here's the question, where's Gideon when all this happens? He's in the one, he's trying to hide the wheat, right? He's in hiding. He's fearful, right? Even though God calls him a mighty man of valor, he's afraid and he's, he's in hiding. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you, what are you keeping from God that you don't have peace about? What are you trying to hide? Maybe it's your family. Maybe you need to turn your family over to God and have peace about it. Say, Jehovah Shalom, you take it. Maybe it's your finances. Lord, I'm struggling here. I'm going to turn this over to you. I'm going to let you do with it as you will. You're Jehovah Shalom. You're going to bring peace to the situation. You're going to restore it. You're going to complete it. What have you not turned over to God? What are you trying to hold back in your life? Let's keep reading verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, God, in this might of yours and go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not, I, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that is, that, that is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into the, his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cake with, from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terabith tree, terabith tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and unleavened cake and put them on the rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and, unle and the unleavened cakes. Fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished to, from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he, had, had, he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Peace be to you. Tell him, Peace be to you. Have confidence in the fact that you ain't going home until your mission on earth is finished, right? There's peace in that. There's peace in knowing that God has got you here until he's, he, you have done what you've accomplished in your life. Peace be to you. Verse 24, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, get ready, this is the name we're studying this morning, the Lord is peace, Hebrew Jehovah Shalom, to this day and still stands in Oprah, which, which belongs to the Abazrites, I think I got it, I think it made, close, close. Gideon allowed God to speak peace to him, didn't he? He allowed God to speak into his life. Peace. When God says peace, be still, something changes, doesn't it? It changes. 
The other night we were sharing testimonies and we were talking about how to, to witness to somebody in under two minutes. And I asked for permission to share this story. So we were talking and Kara shared about how at one point in time in her life she was struggling with fear and anxiety. And that it wasn't until God put peace inside of her that she was able to overcome that anxiety and fear. That it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that that anxiety and fear started to fade. See, Gideon had nothing but fear for the Midianites. He was in hiding, trying to hide what he had. He was in fear of them. And then with one word, God shows up. Not one word, but God shows up and says, Peace, be still, and everything changes. God becomes to him Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. You will never have peace in this crazy world. You guys ever watch the news? It's crazy out there. You will never have it until God speaks peace to you. Until you rely on him. And when you understand that, everything changes. The day after Kara shared this testimony, my son Israel, we were driving in the car and he says, he says, Dad, how do I get that peace that Miss Karis was talking about last night? I want that. And that gave me an opportunity to, to share with him that peace comes from the presence of God. That's the only way to get it. I was able to share with him that's how you find your peace, is that when God shows up in your life, God will be your peace. Paul understood this. Paul understood the concept of Jehovah Shalom in his New Testament writings. Let me read it to you. 1 Thessalonians 3. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Did you see the connection there? Let the Lord of peace at all t- give you peace at all times. The Lord be with you all. The peace is found in his presence. When he shows up, there's peace. And it's not because of the absence of problems. That's not what brings the peace, is it? Because when Gideon builds this altar and he calls God Jehovah Shalom, guess who's still there? The Midianites. They didn't go nowhere. They're still there. You don't find your peace in the absence of problems. That's not how that works. You find your peace in the presence of God. Sometimes we think, you know, if, I, if, if, only, my, if only I had a different boss, or if only my bank account was larger, if only I had a different job, if only I owned my house, if, if only the leadership was different, if only I was married. And we could make an entire list of things that we think, oh, if this was different, I would have peace, but that is not true. None of those things are going to bring you peace. Only the presence of God can do that. Peace isn't the absence of problems. It's the presence of God. That's how we find peace. That's what Gideon learned. I have three points for you this morning out of the book of Colossians that I want to I share with you about peace. So if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19. Remember, Jesus is the name above all names, right? So he's the Jehovah Shalom. He's the peace bringer. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it says this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You guys, you guys understand how powerful that is, right? All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He was creator God Elohim. 
He is Jehovah and he is Jehovah Shalom. And, the, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. Everyone shout out peace. 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 Thanks, Dad. By the, blood of the, by the blood of his cross, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. The first point I have for you is this. God desires peace with you and for you. He desires peace with you and for you. The foundation of the gospel is that Jehovah Shalom came to this earth, died on a cross, resurrected victoriously so that you can now have peace with him. That he shed his blood for the penalty of sin and washed it away. I would be willing to bet that if you look back on your life, you could see that God was chasing you the entire time. I'd be willing to look, bet if you look back on your life, you can find moments that God was after you, that he was chasing you. When I think about my own story, I was 15 years old. I was an atheist. I hated God and I hated Christianity. I was depressed and I was contemplating suicide at 15 years old. And then because football got canceled one night because of the rain, on a rainy night in September... I go to church with my best friend because he was interested in some girls that were going there. And I prayed with the pastor. And I have never felt peace like that before. And I have always felt it since. God would never stop chasing me. I just stopped running. And I found him. And we have this tendency to look at God as if he's a cop. Right? That we're running from the cops because God wants to arrest us. When the reality is God is search and rescue. He wants to save you, not arrest you. Stop running from God. He wants peace for you and with you. Let's keep reading verse 22. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The second thing I have for you is that there's peace in, the, in his presence. There's peace in his presence. And we kind of hit on this with Gideon already, right? You have access to the presence of God now. You have access to the, There's peace that you can find in the Holy Spirit and in the presence of God. The, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, draw near, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. The idea of entering the holy places was so foreign to the Jews. Now, you read the book of Hebrews, you understand that it's written to people that, it, that are Jewish, right? Like, I mean, it's really clear. But that was such a, a, a mentality shift for them. Only the high priest was allowed to go into the holy of holies. There was only one person that was allowed to go. What are you saying, Paul? Now we all have access to the presence of God? That was, a completely, that was a completely foreign thing to them. But it's true. 
like Gideon found out, when God shows up and speaks peace, he brings peace. And God wants peace for you by the blood of the Lamb. You can now access God because you have been redeemed by him. If you're struggling with anxiety, fear, depression, we overcome those things by the presence of God. When we turn towards God, we will find peace that overcomes. Let's keep reading verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, in which I, Paul, became a minister. The last point I have for you this morning is that peace requires maintenance. Peace requires maintenance. Scripture says, if indeed you continue in the faith, your peace requires you to continually walk in faith. You know, as you, as you own a car, you have this understanding, right, that, that you have to do things to take care of it, right? As, as, as the longer you own it, the more things it needs. The first thing is probably an oil change. And eventually, you have to get new tires or brakes get, need to get fixed, right? There, Tracy and I have a, a Honda, or excuse me, a Nissan Armada out in the parking lot that needs a new transmission. We're trying to decide what to do with it. As you go on in time to keep your car running, we, you have to do things for it, and it to, to keep it running, right? Your faith is similar, right? You, you don't just say, God, be my peace one time, and then that ends it. It's a continual process of going to the presence of God and saying, Lord, I need peace over this. Anybody that's walked with Jesus long enough knows this to be true. That there, are all, that there are road bumps in life that you're going to hit, and it's going to break parts on, on your car, if you will. You have to continually go to the Father and say, Lord, I need you to fix this. To maintain peace is to continue to bring your brokenness to God. Because life's difficult. Life's hard, isn't it? To maintain your peace is to continue to bring your brokenness to God and lay it, lay it before him. Life is full of potholes, road bumps. Trust God to fix those things. You have to continually bring it before him and say, Lord, I need a repair. I need an oil change. I need you to fix this. Continually bring your brokenness to God. Maybe you're, you're someone here this morning that at one time you would say, oh, you know what, at one time I trusted God with my peace. But because of the things that happened in my life, I haven't called on him in a long time. I want you to know that if you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus, you're drifting away. You have to be intentional about your relationship with Jesus. You have to call upon him, bring your brokenness, trust in his peace to be there. If you find yourself with less peace, maybe it's because you kind of drifted away from God. Our main scripture, therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, for to us, a child is born. You guys are like, Steve, it's not Christmas. I know, just, just bear with me here. Just bear with me. Isaiah, Isaiah says, for us, a child is not born, or excuse me, for us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, 
and the government shall, shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Now I want you to, I want, this is real important to me. Think about this for a minute. It doesn't say his name is, does it? Now that, that you could say that is true, his name is. But it says his name shall be called, which means there are people that are like, he was that for me. He was that for me, right? Because we call him these things. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He is the name above all names. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is Jesus. And he wants peace for your life. He wants peace for your life. This, this is what I'd like to do this morning. Would, would you, I don't want to invite you to do this. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes this morning? Everybody in the room with their eyes closed. Maybe you've started to kind of drift from Jesus at times in your life. Maybe you've never known Jesus. I want to invite you, and, 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 and salvation goes so much deeper than just saying a prayer and saying, oh, and that's it, and then that's your ticket into heaven. But, we, but I want to give you an opportunity to say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, and I believe Jesus is going to bring me peace between me and God and peace in my life. If, if that's something this morning that you're saying, I want that and I need that, would you just slip your hand up to me so I can see, so I can pray for you? Amen. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. See hands? One, two, three, four, five. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. God, I just pray for everybody that lifted their hands. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them as Jehovah Shalom. I pray, Father, that you, would, that you would touch them, that you would move in their life, that any anxiety, depression, whatever they're going through would, would fade away, Jesus. That they would learn to walk with you as their peace, Father.